Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, but was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please God. Enoch walked with God. I want you to understand when we look at Genesis chapter 5, this was not just a short Sunday morning stroll. This was not just an occasional thing that took place. This, this was a 300-year lifestyle that Enoch lived. And by faith, he walked with God. By faith, he had the testimony that he pleased God, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm sure with me, you have set your goal that you would please the Lord. We struggle with that unless we see the sufficiency that is provided for us through the indwelling Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is not by might or power, but by His Spirit, even that we would walk with the Lord. Sometimes we say, man, this is hard. It's not hard. It's impossible. For without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. We need a miracle of God to enable us to do what He needs us to do and what He has called us to do. We need to answer the question in our mind, why did God create us? For what purpose are we here? The Word of God is very clear and precise about that. We sing the chorus written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were and are created. If our response to that question, why did God create us, say, well, that we might serve Him. No, the service is something that comes as, a as part of that relationship, but he wants primarily for us to be with him and to walk with him. I see that in the creation, in the garden, as God came down in the cool of the day, not to inspect what Adam and Eve had been doing throughout the day, but in order to have fellowship with them and to walk with them. Sin caused Adam to flee from the presence of God, and it always interrupts that fellowship. Sin destroys that which God had originally intended for man that was not God's purpose when he looked at the creation and said it was good. In fact, it was very good. And he had created man for his pleasure so that he could walk with us. We could walk with him. He could love us and we could love him. And that love relationship that God ordained and had in mind from the beginning of time. Only two other people in Scripture have the notation beside their name that they walked with God. In Genesis chapter 5, would you turn back there? We need to take a look at this and we will be spending a bit of time examining the life of this man whose faith we will follow faith by which we can please God. I want you to see how similar this Old Testament character is in the first century, the first millennium, 
of man's history is to our own day. Say, well, it was easy back then. We have so much violence now and so much corruption. It's difficult for us to serve the Lord today. But let me read to you from chapter 6, verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man that I've created up from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, fowl of the air, for it repented me that I have made man. Man's thoughts were only evil continually. And the next few chapters describe the fact that God indeed, through the flood, destroyed all living creatures except for a few, a remnant by which he could start all over again. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He, his wife, his three sons and their wives were spared. Eight people who were spared the judgment of God and starting over again. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I feel like I identify with the political and with the social climate of the day in which Enoch lived, the grandfather of Noah. Only evil continually. And he proves to me the fact that we can walk with God in the midst of an evil and perverse and violent generation and day. Enoch was translated so that he did not see death. Here again, there's a New Testament truth that I identify very readily with, I believe, very soon. The trumpet's going to sound. The voice of the archangel is going to be heard. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at that last trump, I am going to be changed. You're going to be changed. Hallelujah. And we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air without seeing natural death. I'm going to be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. And this corruptible will put on incorruption. And the scriptures will be fulfilled at that moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you thought about it today? The early church did as they greeted one another. They used the word Maranatha. The Lord is coming. And to those that look for him, he will appear the second time without sin and unto salvation. Has it been a thought in your mind? This may be the day. I wouldn't mind reconvening up there. That'd be all right with me, that I could join my voice. And I, I, I somehow think majesty will sound a little different up there. When we're looking into the face of the Lord, now we know in part, then we will see and know, even as we are known, we'll see him face to face. Every nation and kindred and tongue and people blending their voices as one to sing, worthy, thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and majesty and might and power and dominion. Hallelujah. Oh, what a day that will be. What a wonderful hope I have. And I see it typified in the life of Enoch as he walked with God and they did not find him. That means they looked for him. He was not found. Somehow they wondered where he had gone. I think one of these days they're going to look for me. They're going to look for Denny. They're not going to find him. 
look for Joe and Steve. They're not going to find them because God took them. Amen? We are not going to be. This world will continue in some degree. The Antichrist that will have his day of worship and his day of rule. But oh, I believe with all of my heart we are living in those days described by Jesus typified by the man that we're looking at this morning. He walked with God 300 years. That's not a short stroll. That's not just an occasional little walk with the Lord. We're talking about lifestyle faith. And only two men in Scripture of whom it is said they walked with God. Enoch is one, and his grandson Noah is the other. I don't think that that's coincidence. I think there's cause-effect there, don't you? Whose faith follow? Last week we talked about Moses, whom Amram and Jochebed raised, who did not fear the wrath of the king, and when he became of age, made some choices for the people and purpose of God, not fearing the wrath of the king. Where did he learn that? He followed somebody's faith. Someone's faith was exemplary. There was an example of faith lived out before him, and he followed that faith. Whose faith follow? And I believe that God was able to, to look upon Noah, and he found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he had seen Gramps follow Jesus and walk with Jesus. And he learned how to walk with God because he had seen his grandfather walk with God. Whose faith follow? He had learned how to please the Lord. Whose faith follow? Now you need to know something special about this particular day and time. And I suggested the early service, if you have your bulletin and a pencil, do some arithmetic with me. And it uh, might be surprising to you the insight that God had given to Enoch and the timing of his walk with the Lord. It's very specific. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. Next verse. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now, let me just lead you through several verses. Note verse 22, verse 25 rather, And Methuselah lived a hundred and eighty and seven years and begat Lemek. So if you put down a hundred and eighty-seven, please. He lived a hundred and eighty-seven years and begat Lemek. Verse 28. And Lemek lived 182 years and begat a son and called his name Noah. So put down 182 years. Did 
then in chapter 7, verse 11, it says, And in the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. The flood came. Would you add up those figures, 187, 182, and 600? They come to 969 years. Now look with me at verse 27. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Enoch had a son whose name was Methuselah. That's a compound name, which means when he dies, it shall come. Names in the Old Testament were, were names given with meaning and purpose and significance. God evidently had given some insight and inspired the name that, that Enoch gave his son. He began to walk with God from the moment his son was born. He had lived a number of years, and then he begat Methuselah, and he began to walk with God after he begat Methuselah. His name means, when he dies, it shall come. How many years did he live? 969 years. How many days, how many years from the time he was born to the flood? 969. When he died, it came. Does God know what, he, know what he's doing? I think it's no, no insignificant thing that the oldest man who ever lived was an illustration of the long-suffering of, long of God, that God was giving space of repentance to those who are living on this planet. And what we count as slackness, Peter said, be careful because it's the long-suffering of God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord, and he was not found before God translated him. He pleased the Lord. I believe that God wants from each one of us a lifestyle of faith, a walk of faith. There's a, there's a faith walk and there's a flesh walk. The Bible talks about that. He said we can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the spirit. Romans chapter 8 says, for there is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And he goes on to say that they that are of the flesh or of, of carnal nature mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit mind the things that are of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, if I'm going to please God, then I've got to, I've got to walk the, the walk of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If I walk in the flesh, then I cannot please God. But if I walk by faith, I can please God. Now, how do I please God? How do I know if I'm pleasing God? Well, it's very simple. The walk of the flesh says, please me. I want to be pleased. I want circumstances, situations to be my, my taste, my desire, the way I like it to be. Please me. But the walk of the Spirit is that I might please Him. 
That's not too difficult to grasp hold of, is it? But if we walk in the flesh, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so the walk of faith is one in which we desire to please the Lord. Now Jesus is always our example. Whenever we see a truth, we see Jesus because he is the truth. Isn't that right? And so it's easy to identify what the truth is. We see it lived out in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his faith we can follow. Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by him and for him. And the, the portion in, in Romans that I want you to note is chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. There's an exhortation as well as an example. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. For even Christ pleased not himself. We are that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not look to be pleased, but please the neighbor for his good to edification. Jesus being our example. John chapter 8, verse 29, listen to what he says. I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, for I do always those things that please him. Now, he came not to please himself. He said, I do always those things that please him. So if I'm becoming like Jesus, then I, as the Son of God, along with him, want to do all those things that will Please him. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be what? Pleasing and acceptable in his sight. Having this testimony, Jesus had the same testimony Enoch had three times from Scripture. The heavens opened and there was an audible voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. How could he do that? Because he said, I've come not to please myself, but to please him. I do always those things that please the Lord, please God. He's the example. And God gave witness, gave testimony to Jesus. This is my beloved son. Enoch had this testimony before he was translated that he pleased God. Without faith, he can't please God. It takes faith. It's impossible without it to please the Lord. So the challenge from Scripture is let's make a goal not to be pleased. You know what's tearing marriages apart in record numbers? It's a flesh lifestyle that says, please me, and we'll get along as long as you please me. But I believe marriages are held together by sacrifice, and we do whatever we can to please others. That's really the total and contrasting difference between the life of the flesh and the life of the spirit. Within the fellowship of the church, there are those who attend who say, please me. I want the music to be after my taste, my pleasure. I want the services to please me. I want to be pleased. If I'm not pleased, I'll go somewhere where they please me. What about coming to say, I want to please God? And somehow I think when we begin to please God, the feedback from that is the pleasure of the Lord upon our hearts. 
And sometimes we can't feel the presence of the blessing of God because our hearts aren't right with God. Some people say, well, I can't feel the presence. Well, that's not God's fault. There's probably another reason for that. And when that's happening, we need to examine our own heart because there are sometimes we are not sensitive. It wouldn't matter if God was standing right beside us. If our heart isn't right, we're not going to sense his presence. I believe he's always with us. Don't you? He said, I am with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We can't depend on others to create a climate and atmosphere for us, for the presence of God. We've got to live in that. He walked with God on a daily basis. Not a short little stroll, but for 300 years. He walked with the Lord and he pleased the Lord. That's the motivation. I think we've got it all wrong. I think sometimes the devil has deceived us and we have it backward. Solomon tried it. Ecclesiastes 2.1 says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, that was vanity. All was vanity and vexation of spirit. That philosophy was tried by Solomon and found wanting. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 5, verse 10, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. Looking to be pleased and satisfied is the wrong way. Proverbs 21, 17, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Not necessarily financially poor, but a poor man. He that liveth in pleasure or for pleasure is a poor man. And so there's a real desire in the heart of God for us to enjoy the riches of his presence. We can walk with God. Isn't that a privilege? What a tremendous honor. We can't please God without faith. No faith. We can't please God in the flesh. No flesh. Now we can't please God with fussing. No fussing. Now let me give you the scripture. Numbers chapter 11 verse 1. Now the history of Israel is replete with lessons for us. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Fourth book of the Old Testament, the 11th chapter. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. And the anger, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. Would you underscore the fact that when the people complained, it displeased the Lord? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing. When I fuss, I displease the Lord. And the anger of the Lord was kindled, and the fire of God came and consumed them. Now, you would think that would be a strong enough object lesson to cure them of fussing for the rest of their lives. Stay tuned. Verse 4, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting, and the children of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish 
We ate in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. And now our soul is dried away and there's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Verse 10, And Moses heard the people weep throughout the families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. The smoke of the burning was still ascending up. The smoke had not cleared, and they were back fussing again. When will we ever learn? When will I ever learn? Anybody with me? That sometimes I, I act as though God doesn't have ears. And the Lord heard it. They complained, and the Lord heard it. How many realize that the Lord is interested in our words? And the words of our mouth need to be pleasing. Lord, let my speech be with grace and seasoned with salt and used to edifying and praising. Speak those things that are life-giving. That pleases the Lord. He is displeased with me when I do not have faith. He is displeased with me when I walk a lifestyle of the flesh. He is displeased with me when I live a lifestyle of fussing. He wants praise to be continually on my lips. Hallelujah. Use that instrument of righteousness for the glory of God. No foolishness. Ecclesiastes 5.4. Now, that may take you just a moment to find it. If you'll trust me, I'll read it for you. Save some time. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. God is not pleased with insincerity or with frivolous vows that we make, promises that we make to God and do not keep them. He goes on to say, it would be better if you did not vow than to vow and not pay. So God is displeased. God has no pleasure in fools. When we take this lightly, when we vow a vow, pay it. Mean what you say before God. He's not interested in just the words that we say without backing it up with decision to do. That displeases the Lord. After all, we want to be able to take him at his word. He should be able to take us at our word. Isn't that right? And I want to connect the verse of Scripture, and it's found in, in Hebrews chapter 10, the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, the last two verses. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. That means we started out, we made promises and vows to the Lord, but now we've drawn back. Now we have changed our mind either by conscious decision or unconscious lifestyle. But if we draw back, he has no, what? He has no pleasure in him. So the next verse goes on to say, but we are not of those who draw back into perdition, but to them that believe to the saving 
of our soul. Hallelujah. Faith pleases God. A walk in the Spirit pleases God. A tongue that's consecrated in praise pleases God. And a heart that is committed to Christ pleases God. On the contrary, the lack of faith, the flesh, fussing, foolishness, just pleases God. The last one I'm going to give you is just a verse in Ezekiel 33:11. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Those who die without knowing Jesus Christ displease God. He has no pleasure in seeing that happen. The pleasure he has is in the, the death of the righteous. Those who die prepared to go into his presence in new dimensions forever. Because he created us for his pleasure. Whether that's in time or eternity. And he knows that the death of the wicked robs him of that privilege forever. The death of the wicked robs him of that pleasure forever. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked because he knows as a tree falls, so shall it lie. And so from that point, there is no opportunity for he and that person to have fellowship and enjoy pleasure. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning this message about walking with you and look at the life of Enoch and follow the faith of this man. That for 300 years he walked with God. In the midst of a violent world, in the midst of a world filled with sin and corruption, so gross and so vile that God said, I'm sorry I even made man. And I've got to send judgment and start over. But he was able successfully to so live out a lifestyle of faith that he influenced his son and his grandson in a wonderful way so that he also walked with God. In the midst of this kind of a world, much like the one we're living in, the kind of faith that could help him be a good father. He begat sons and daughters. He knew what it was like to have family responsibilities and he walked with God in the midst of that. And I pray that we will also recognize the sufficiency that there is with the Lord that he will never call upon us or ask us to do what we cannot do. He will always equip us to do what he wants us to do. I pray for the faith that we need to please you today. Recognizing that's the, the reason of our creation, the reason for our redemption, is that we might be for his pleasure, follow like Jesus, and say, I please not myself. But all that I do, I do to please Him. I would challenge us this morning, Lord, to so order our lives, walking after the Spirit. Serving the Lord. Waiting for the voice of the angel. Waiting for the trumpet anticipating the coming of the one we love with all of our heart. 
let us be in a state of readiness. And as the Holy Spirit spoke to us, you want to have a close walk with us. I pray that we would respond to you in that way.